Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Viva section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We're here once again talking about this week's UFC event going down at the Apex facility. Oh no, going down at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. Get so used to saying the Apex. <laughs> it just came out automatically. Yeah, it just comes out automatically at this point. Um, headlined by a catchweight bout, 140 pounds from Corey Sandhagen and Rob Font. Talking about the prelims right now, though, which has a featured prelim and a great featured prelim it is between Billy Quarantillo and Damon Jackson. Is that the featured prelim? Yes, it is. And I thought it was I'm... Honey Barcelos, Kyler Phillips in the featured slot. Oh, no, you know what? I'm looking at the wrong. I'm looking at the wiki, which is, I'm sure, wrong. So Always look at the Wikipedia, Zane. I always do. Let me Let me check the ESPN Fight Center. Tap, uh, tapology, you know, this is this show is now sponsored by Tapology. That's right. And so I can I don't even have to say that other brands are available when I say that they always get it yeah. right. Tapology does never, have it right. And I never have to go to the goddamn ESPN website to make sure because they always have it right. No, I've ha- I've had times where it's been wrong. No, you're lying. You're working for Big Wiki. <laughs> you're trying to prop right. up their image uh, the typology's not perfect wrong so it's Honey Barcelos versus Kyler Phillips Zane yeah Honey Barcelos versus Kyler Phillips and uh, that's also a great featured prelim that, that means that there are more than one prelim there's more than one prelim on this card that is good that's absolutely true yeah the fact that there are two potential featured prelims that both feel like a meaningful fights uh, and both look like fun matchups is a it, just a, one indication of the fact that this is not an apex card. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, 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 I gotta be worried for, uh, for honey Barcelos. I mean, it just, he didn't get the opportunities he wanted him to get very early. He had some close fights that didn't go his way. Like the one with Timor Valiev, which I still think he won, but I get why he didn't get the decision. Mm-hmm. And now I think he is like actually struggling. I don't think he's as fast as he was when he first got the UFC. Yeah, well, that would make sense. He's 36 now. He was already like 32 or something when he got here. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even 33, but now he's a 36 year old man. He's not as fast and explosive. And in his last fight, we saw him really get tuned up by somebody with just a really, really like pretty basic boxing game. I don't mean basic as a slight. It's not a bad sign. It's just that what I learned about Umar Nurmagomedov in that fight is that he has a jab and he uses it. Yeah. And he pretty much, Hani could not deal with it, which is very much uh, like what happened at many, uh, for, during long segments of his fight with Victor Henry. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't deal with somebody who had a jab and who just kept him at bay. And especially um, in both of those cases, too, it's having a jab and a kicking game to go with it. Because I think what happens is that the kicking game really, it gives Barcelos that first step of something to think about at yeah. range. And then the jab stops him from progressing through the kick. Yeah. So he really gets stuck when with that combo, which both Henry and Nurmagomedov were able yeah. to present to him. And I just think it's it's just made it more clear, and with the loss of speed, that what made Barcelos so impressive uh, really was the lightning-fast switch-up potential in his game. Mm-hmm. The ability to dash in with either a right hand, and maybe that would play off of the right uppercut he used to throw a lot. And that would both play off of the level change and the takedown as well. Mm-hmm. And 
both because he's lost speed and also because he's he's been in there against really fundamentally sound jab first boxing stylists like Umar and Victor Henry. Um, I think that has sort of exposed the technical limitations of his game. Yeah. And I guess on that note, it's kind of good that he's fighting Kyler Phillips because Kyler Phillips is only a good technician part of the time. Yeah. Um, it will be an interesting test this matchup of because Phillips has at times I've been very impressed with him. He's put on really consistent, classy, like control fights within striking, you know, Mm -hmm. which in MMA in boxing, I see enough of that, that I like, I don't always love seeing it. Sometimes it's really dull. Yeah. In MMA, anytime I can see somebody control somebody in a free moving striking context, I love it. Yeah. Because I don't see people who are able to do that very often. Somebody who understands positional control when they're not touching their opponent um, is a good sign. And Kyler Phillips has done that against a certain level of fighter because he moves a lot. He is also a great athlete like Barcelos. He's super fast. He hits really hard. He does have a jab. Uh He's also super inefficient and has worn himself out later in fights. And like Connie, he can't really like refuse a brawl if it's forced on him. Yeah. Um, so like the, like with Honey, basically there's a, the, 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 the appearance of a great technical fighter is a fairly thin veneer. The fun thing is too, that they have both lost, uh, split or both lost decisions to Victor Henry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Phillips was a while ago, right? That was like, pretty yeah, that was in 2018 for him Yeah. in CXF. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't recall that fight super clearly, but I can uh, imagine it was probably in some ways quite similar to the Barcelos fight. Uh Or probably Phillips, it was a split. Probably Phillips was able to land a lot of big shots. Probably he was able to shock uh, Henry with some really powerful level change takedowns, which he always seems to do. Um, And then probably he got jabbed a bunch. (laughs) Uh And and pushed around the cage a lot by somebody who just didn't uh, let that sucker them into overcommitting and getting countered. Um, I mean, the sad truth is I'm like, I'm feeling Kyler Phillips more just as the younger man. He is eight years younger than Hani Barcelos. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm honestly just feeling him as somebody who I think is like still making passes and improving who can find a second wind in a fight and who I think genuinely does have more creativity in his game. Oh, yeah. I mean, Barcelos's game has never been about creativity. It's always no, about... It, there, there's a couple core switch-ups, and that has just really been underscored, I think, in his recent fights. That, yeah. Like, at a certain point, you kind of get what the fight is going to be, and he cannot take it beyond that point or do anything different. Mm-hmm. Phillips, at the very least, can get into some crazy exchanges and then separate and then hit a clean takedown. You know, like, there's some surprises that he can muster. So I am, go- unfortunately, going to take him over my uh, my my poor son with his wasted potential, Hani Barcelos. Yeah, this is, su- this is such a tough one to me, honestly, because Kyler Phillips, I mean, both men, honestly... Yeah, are and Kyler Phillips, I think more so, are fighters who are really mostly at their best when they can do everything. Yeah, like Phillips is very much a fighter who you see him out there flowing in his striking, and you're just like, oh, okay, yep. you should just be able to do this and only this. And then he gets pressed a little, mm-hmm. and. Uh, or asked to like really engage on the inside and prolonged exchanges. And he then has to fall right into his wrestling and grappling. Mm -hmm. And he's a fast wrestler Mm -hmm. and he is an athletic uh, grappler, a great back taker. But, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that he is an entirely like locked down 
fighter in any one position. No. And he, he sort of he sort of tried that against Song Yadong, if I recall. Yeah. Let me see what that actually looked like statistically, at least. Uh, Phillips. He, cer- he certainly was forced to try to lean on it against Holly yeah. and Paiva. He got three takedowns against Song Yadong for a minute and 36 seconds of control. Yeah. And yeah, he got four takedowns on Holly and Paiva in a fight that he ended up losing for yeah. three minutes of control. Still, to be fair, a fight that there is actually a good argument for him winning it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, it's just that, that he, he try, burned every everything he had trying to kill Paiva early. Yep. Couldn't quite do it. And then the rest of the fight was like, honestly, pretty close to 50-50, but one guy was clearly exhausted. Not Basically not unlike, in the last two rounds, not unlike Pereira Blachowicz. Yeah. Basically, uh, Phillips has had, had several fights where he's gotten t- multiple takedowns yeah. and rarely racks up that much control time off of them. Yeah. Um, he's like an alpha male wrestler. Yeah. And Barcelos... He seems both in two ways. He seems he's at his best when he can bull forward and make you choose whether he's going to shoot shoot in on you or over, hit you with an overhand. Mm-hmm. That is the best version of Barcelos's game. But he is also pretty reasonably happy to just do one if one is if one works every time. Mm-hmm. Like if he can just bull forward and strike with you and you can't match his strikes, he'll just bull forward and strike and do that the whole time. And if you have a fight where, you know, if he has an opponent who can catch him with strikes and make him uncomfortable but can't stop his wrestling, he'll just wrestle the whole time and be much more of a lockdown positional fighter there. But... Like I say, both of them work at their best when they can get to do all things. And Phillips really is a lot more dynamic in his switching, his switch-ups. Yeah. That makes it it's very hard to, to call. Um, you know, because I've, I've been a Barcelos truther for yep. many a year. Me too. That's why I say I think it's just largely a... It's kind of a younger man pick. Like, it's just this feeling that Phillips is a, able to be more creative and more surprising and more diverse. I mean, even just in the, if it comes to a wrestling battle, like, Phillips can hit, like, sneaky, like, Muay Thai trips and foot sweeps. And he can also hit the double. And there's just a lot of, he's out there experimenting, I think, more than Howney does. Yeah. Which that, can be a bad thing for him as well. I mean, he is chronically inefficient and gets himself into trouble because of it, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it, this is one where if it's, it becomes an inevitable war that works out for Howney because he, he gets tired too, but he maintains pretty well as a tired yeah. fighter. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's how it plays out, but I just have this feeling that Howney has, Howney's chance has kind of passed him by. Yeah, and I mean, Phillips really is a top-tier athlete when everything is clicking. Yeah. I think I'm going to stick with you and pick with pick Phillips, too. It feels yeah. like it's probably the moment and that Phillips is athletic enough that he can um, probably fight his way off the mat pretty consistently mm-hmm. and force... Uh, Barcelos into a lot of the kind of exchanges he had so much trouble with against Nurmagomedov where, you know, he's out there at range and he wants to make you have to make that choice of, oh, am I going to hit you with the overhand or hit you with the the double leg? And Nurmagomedov is just like, what if I just kick you first and then when, and then jab you and you have to, you have to pick you have to you have to fight your way through that to get to me to make that choice. Yep. And Barcelos doesn't have a lot of clean options at that range. Yep. Yeah, I'll take I'll take uh, Phillips, but if he lets his foot off the gas at all, Barcelos could easily swamp him and just start bullying him and pushing forward and you know 
Yeah, Phillips is not as slick as he thinks he is. Yeah, and if, if like Phillips has to bank on out wrestling and out grappling Barcelos because he's getting pressured too much, I don't necessarily think he's going to be able to. Yeah, at all, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this this this, this does have the feeling of I finally given up on a fighter, and then I look at a matchup that actually kind of works for them, and I just don't see it. Yeah. Barcelos opened at plus 124. It's currently at plus 169. Phillips opened at minus 138. It's currently down at minus 190. I feel so bad. Cause like, I have long said that Barcelos is one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC. And now I kind of feel like I'm underrating him a little. Yeah, right. But maybe that maybe we have slightly overrated him for a while as well. Yeah, you know? that could also be it. I've, I've certainly moved my my current most underrated fighter in the UFC. Which I don't think you you would guess it in a thousand years, so I'm not even going to ask you to try. Go on, Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva. Oh yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, yeah, Bruno Silva, solid. Yeah, I like him. I wait, Bruno Silva. Mm-hmm. He is actually good. And... Oh, I thought you meant middleweight, Bruno Silva. Never mind. No, you do he. Not. I think he's the most underrated fighter in the UFC. You do not. Don't <laughs> lie. <laughs> but yeah, hello. He almost outboxed Gerald Mearshart. <laughs> <laughs> Only the greats can do that. He actually also didn't almost outbox him. He actually got styled on him on the field. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Yeah, Bruno Silva, flyweight Bruno Silva. That's a good shout. He's he's actually really really quite good at this point in his career and mm-hmm. just totally unknown. I might have said Dane Ige for a while there, but I think he's finally uh, proving yeah, he's what I've been seeing. Days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bruno Silva though is a dude that everybody is any, any casual fans can be like, oh, you mean the middleweight? Yeah, who? <laughs> They're not even going to know who the middleweight is. They're just going to yeah. be like, I don't. That sounds like a Brazilian name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's no, right. Bruno Silva solid. He is. I go back to the topology one. I keep looking at the wiki, and I'll just close that now. All right. <laughs> that brings us to a welterweight bout. Jeremiah Wells, Carlston Harris, and... Um, I'll take this. Like, this looks like a yeah. possibly a hideously stupid fight. And, uh, frankly, we've had a bunch of other, like, genuinely intriguing matchups on the main card and, and the, the featured prelim so far. I could use one of these. Well, this is a great fight. This is the best kind of uh, hideous fight, which is two men who only do one thing well each, and Mm -hmm. it's different things. Yeah. And neither of them can actually control that thing. (laughs) Yeah. And that is like the best kind of bad fight clash to have. Yep. Because you end up with a fight that is constantly out of control. And while being in totally sloppy at all yep. times. So, you know, for Jeremiah Wells, he can absolutely bomb with some of the ugliest hooks you've ever seen in your life. <clears throat> yep. And then hit massive double legs. And that's it. Like. He's sort of a classic MMA fighter in that sense. Yeah. Right? The, the the ground striking isn't great. Yeah. The ground grappling isn't great. He can't hold position all that well. He certainly can't fight in the pocket for any length of time at all. Often he just wings a huge shot and runs his opponent into the fence so he can get a break long enough to pick them up and slam them to the mat and then start the whole process over again. Yeah. That's pretty much a Jeremiah Wells fight. And Carlston Harris is basically just a whirling dervish. You know, he can throw incredibly wild, wide strikes of all sorts from distance while getting constantly off balanced Mm -hmm. at all times. And there's some power to it. And he, he, thinks he can wrestle because he used it a lot regionally, but his wrestling game is really not very good. Yeah. But he can be really annoying in the clinches. Yes. Yes. He's, um, 
he is he is strong. I think. I mean, probably he he's not going to feel. Yeah, probably he's not going to feel as strong as he thinks he is against yeah. a guy like Jeremiah Wells. Uh, getting under hooks in the first place will be difficulty. But Harris is definitely a guy who can just yank some people airborne with with a double underhook body lock kind of wrestling game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's nothing clean about it, and it's no. not uh, it's not like the the quick and not the Jeremiah Wells that shoots like a beautiful double leg, yeah, or sets it up well. But he has such drive and power on it; it matters less. Harris's kind of wrestling being a slower to initiate kind of takedown game means that uh, yeah, his his lack of technique I think tells a little more. Yeah, he he has. Wells has the wrestling of somebody who used to wrestle as at some point early in their life and took to it real really well in the gym. Harris has the wrestling of somebody who was the biggest, strongest guy on the regional scene. Yeah. And anytime a fight started to get away from him, he would just lean on that as a way to stop people from yeah. gaining any momentum. You know, he, he has the wrestling of somebody who walked into the MMA gym and they're like, oh, and we also do this. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll also do that too. You know? Um, God, just watching Carlson Harris's fight with uh, Jared Gooden, this is totally yes. unrelated, but I just love how Jared Gooden fights with his hands literally at his belt line. He does not have the defense to do that. <laughs> Gooden fight. He, nobody has ever fought more like a rock'em sock'em robot than Jared Gooden. But he holds himself like he's Floyd Mayweather and rocks. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, no, so yeah. this should be stupid. Another, be- another oh. unrelated thing to point out, I have to point it out every time he fights. Just go back and watch Jeremiah Wells' fight with Blood Diamond, just the beginning. <laughs> it is one of the funniest things I have ever seen happen in the cage. Oh, my completely God. Completely inexplicable. There's no explanation <laughs> as to why what happens happens. I won't even spoil it for you. Just go yeah. watch it. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> so, I mean, Jeremiah Wells is going to take Carlson Harris down. Yeah. No question. The question is, how much does he hold him down? And how much does he get clubbed when they're having... Equal wild, stupid exchanges yeah. standing in middle distance before those takedowns. Yeah. Because Harris is not any cleaner a puncher than Wells, but he is much more confident about his ability to just stand there and sky guy his way through a fight. Uh-huh. Because that's how he's used to fighting. Wells is doing it as a panic, like, this is my mid. This is my wild card to throw to get the takedown. Yeah. I need you to respect this, that I could hit you really hard so that you don't hit me while I'm shooting in on you. That's true. It's kind of the the two different sides of the brawler style coin. Yeah. One guy likes chaos. One guy is actually scared and is trying to scare you so you don't realize how scared he is. Yeah. I guess I am going to pick Wells because the safety valve is just there and it will be there all the time. Yeah. But if he starts to get tired and he has trouble controlling Harris, because Harris is, uh, you know, long, ropey, athletic dude who is inches taller than him. And if he starts to get tired then, like, there's no reason that a lot of this fight couldn't just look like the Matthew Semmelsberger fight, where Wells is getting absolutely teed off on in standing exchanges and then desperately trying to hold Harris down. Yeah, I would say there are a couple reasons that it doesn't look like that, though. Uh, yeah. One is Carlston Harris is striking. He is not as clean as No, Matt, Matthew Semmelsberger is like a a copy of a bootleg Rob font. Yeah. But that you can still see the fuzzy crackling image of Rob fonts game in there. There's a one, two, there's a jab. It's like, if you're going to be tired and stuck on the end of his reach, you are going to feel as if you're stuck on the end of his reach. Yeah. Carlson Harris has no distance management in his game whatsoever. No, no. Even if you were gassed and he was walking you down and you were Jeremiah Wells, height, you're going to get, Exchanges in mutual range constantly. 
Mm-hmm. And you're going to get him walking, uh, walking on level changes as well. Um, so, but I mean, I do still think it could get ugly. I mean, it's going oh, it's to. It's going to get ugly. Cause I like, do still Eric, think it could get bad for Wells if he gasses, which seems likely because. Um, like so tense. Yeah, and Harris is just, I think, honestly, just a lot more comfortable in having that kind of hideous, uh, yeah. wild swinging fight. Yeah, the reason I, I said it could look like the Salisbury fight is not because Harris is cleaning Salisbury, because Harris has more confidence than Samuelsberger sure, while yeah. also being able to hit as hard, even yeah. if he, he's not as clean. Yeah. So. But, uh, it, yeah, I just see him, yeah. even even if it gets to that point, making mistakes big enough that Wells can just get him down and hold him for a second, or possibly just getting hurt. I mean, yeah. I think this is because he doesn't have Semmelsberger's style. This is a fight where the reach uh, and height disparity could actually work more in Wells's favor because yeah. um, Harris is just flinging big wide hooks, mm-hmm. which are designed to go over a little fire hydrant's head. And meanwhile, Wells is perfectly comfortable lunging in with an overhand against everybody anyway. Yeah. And Harris has no defense. His head is bolt upright. He sticks his chin up in the air when he's in these exchanges. Um, I just don't think there's there's zero control in Harris's game. Yeah. And given that, it feels it's it's not exactly this kind of dynamic, but it feels too close to the kind of fight where Harris would have to fight more perfectly than Wells to win. Yeah. It, you know what this is though. This is that. Uh, uh, what's the older Usman's brother? Muhammad Usman versus uh-huh. Justin Taffa, or Junior mm. Taffa fight mm-hmm, at welterweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it really is. <laughs> Just like the super stiff wrestler against the wild swinging kickboxer where we are just going to see these ridiculous dumb exchanges yeah. over and over again. Yeah, no, it's going to be stupid. I'm kind yeah. of excited for it. I'm excited for it too. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and these like, I got no problem with the UFC picking up you guys like this and like leave having them around to test people and fight each other and put on fun, stupid fights. Sure. Like, you, you get good athletes, see what happens with them. You know? Yeah. It's it's. Uh, if they're not a good athlete, they'd better be a good technician. Yeah. Better be savvy. Harris opened at plus 152, is currently down at plus 117. Wells opened at minus 171, is currently at minus 130. I think this fight getting closer in the odds makes good sense to me. Like, it's it's just not going to be clean. Wells is not a clean enough, uh, controlling enough fighter for me to just be like, no, 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 he definitely wins this. You yeah. know? He hasn't lost in a while, but everything, every fight he's had feels like it's just kind of lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You know? It's like, if you hadn't just clipped Court McGee with a wild hook, would uh-huh. you have just out-toughed Court McGee for three rounds? Would your leg have exploded against Blood Diamond at some point? <laughs> you know, just like... Yeah. All sorts of weird stuff happens to him. And, he almost and lost a fight literally by deciding to run a lap. Yeah. Presumably to calm down or something. And yeah. oh, no. got entangled, almost lost to the cage as yeah. much as to his opponent. I mean, <laughs> you, can't, you can't give that guy too high a, a, a betting margin. Absolutely not. All right. That brings us to a featherweight bout. Billy Quarantillo, Damon Jackson, and yeah, this is this is an awesome fight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is almost this is one of those matchups where it's kind of a wonder it hasn't happened already. Yeah, no kidding. Just seem like these are the same guy. Yep. Um, two not particularly athletic, hittable brawlers who really bank on their ability to break the opponent with fearlessness and pace. Yep. Um, and what happens when you pit two of those guys against each other is always, you know, it beats me how to call a fight like this, to be honest. Yeah. You really, you know, you really have to start splitting hairs of just how you think. Yeah. 
one person survives in one situation and yeah little little advantages you know you're you're looking because like neither of these guys are a clean striker at all jamin jackson is probably a little bit tighter with his strikes but his form also breaks down a lot quicker Mm -hmm. like quarantillo is wild but he's very comfortable in the wildness he initiates as a striker. Yeah, and I feel like there's almost more of um it's Quarantillo is more at home being wild. It's yeah. not accidental. It often feels like it's accidental yeah. when Damon Jackson gets Jackson, drawn into wildness. Jackson tries to be very clean and is through two or three strikes, you see that you see that. You're like, oh yeah. You've got this one, two, or you've got this like, you know, hook uppercut combo or whatever. You've been working on it. It's there. But then after that, his footwork, his his stance starts to break down. Yeah. And any any extension after those first couple strikes, everything gets wild and sloppy, and he gets profoundly uncomfortable. Yeah. That's often Corantillo is like he wears it on his sleeve that he is going to be lunging in. Yeah. That he is going to be collap he's going to be colliding with his opponent into clinches. Yeah. Um and so like the only clean thing in his entire game is his jab and mm-hmm. even that is only relative. And it's supposed to set up just like a messy avalanche of uh interconnected bullshit that is just yeah. <laughs> enough variety and enough commitment to to trouble you. And he fully expects that it's not going to start troubling you until uh, later in the fight. Yeah. And Jackson, he's out there and he's actually, you know, he tries to put on a pretty like he has a very direct style that he's trying to initiate from jump. Yeah. He will go out there. He's trying to land the one two, duck in on a takedown, get you to the mat and start scrambling with you. Yeah. And start tiring you out that way. Start tying you out with a repeated, driven pace of what he wants to be always technical moves. Yeah. You know, it's always supposed to be a good clean one, two, a good clean double leg, a good clean back take. And he will fight like hell to reinitiate any of this if it should fail at any point. You know, that's the thing with Jackson is that, like, if you're not knocking him out, you are not going to stop him from driving and and trying to initiate this fight that he can that he feels he can win. Yeah. Whereas with Quarantillo, it is it is just chaos. It is, you know, he might have he might strike with you for a round and a half without ever getting to a takedown Mm -hmm. and just be trying to pressure and throw the wild strikes he can. He might even be having to counter if you're pressuring him and hoping that he can hurt you enough to count on the counter that or draw you into enough of a brawl that your form starts to break down with him Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter if you take him down it doesn't matter if he takes you down whatever gets initiated out of that brawl and starts the scramble that starts him in the place where he feels like he's going to start winning the fight yeah and and I really feel like um, the the difference here that that gives me pause because because without this I think I would pick Quarantillo pretty J- just just because I know that Damon Jackson can't stop Quarantillo from having a crazy brawl that Quarantillo is going to be inexorably working towards that no matter what mm-hmm. none of the things Damon Jackson does that he wants he actually hopes they will sort of control the opponent a bit yeah will have any effect on controlling Quarantillo. Mm-hmm. I would expect a bit slow build in momentum for Billy. Um, and it is Damon Jackson's grappling. Yeah. And the fact that Billy Quarantillo has been way more proactive in trying to grapple with people. I think that has been an adjustment. He has, I mean, he's always done everything, but it, it, as his UFC career went on, I think he was trying to make that a more present part of his game, mix it in more often. Um, and just another tool to, to to in this arsenal of things that are designed to wear people down. Mm-hmm. And um, 
maybe he just eschews that and has a much easier fight because of it and just gets to kind of strike. But one way or the other, I think he is going to end up in clinches. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, with Jackson, he's so driven. I don't think that, I don't think Quarantillo is ever going to refuse the fight Jackson wants to have. No, well, and also Quarantillo is himself. He can't help but fall into clinches. Yeah. He doesn't keep his balance when he punches. He flies forward. Yeah, and he's also, like I say, he's happy. If he's on his back to start a scramble, that's fine for Billy Quarantillo. I don't think that's something you should be fine with against Damon Jackson. It's true. I mean, I know he hurt him before he got to those positions, but uh, he just cut through Pat Sabatini on the floor. That's true. You know, he rocked it with an uppercut, to be fair. But then it was like leg lace mount, punching him, punching him, giving Pat Sabatini no choice but to give up his back immediately. Both hooks in. Damon Jackson's a guy who's comfortable enough with his positional grappling. He doesn't like immediately... Uh, panic himself into a body triangle because he's afraid he's going to lose it otherwise. It's like, no, no. I'm going to ride this position and give you enough room to work to escape so that you end up killing yourself, basically. Yeah. Like I say, to me, Jackson's always very deliberate and he wants to be and works yeah. to be a very technical fighter. Yeah. It, it doesn't always, like the striking especially is where it, it falls apart pretty easily. Yes. Because it's just, it's the hardest, it's the hardest skill to learn. Yeah. But he's always trying to make the right reads and the right moves and do the right things to control and suck and draw an opponent out of the fight. Yeah. So, yeah, I would give Quarantillo um, less of a technical edge on the feet, but more of an edge in just consistency. Yeah. And uh, deliberateness. And I would give Damon Jackson. A, a, a pretty serious actual technical edge on the ground. And yeah. um, I don't know. It's just that, like, is he going to finish Quarantil on the ground? The thing is, Quarantil, it does fight really hard in scrambles. Yeah, um, there's a reason that Quarantillo is willing to give up every scramble. He's never been submitted. Yeah, never been submitted. Um, and I do think he is going to progressively just be landing a ton of shots on Jackson on the feet. This is a tough fight to call. It is. It is. Uh, I don't know. Let you, you, uh, give me your thoughts for a moment, unless you've already expressed them all. And then I'll decide if I feel strongly one way or the other. I can, I can really pretty clearly see how both guys win and both, both guys winning conditions still involve them having a difficult fight the way I see it. Well, I guess an additional difficulty here is, unfortunately, there's a couple of things here that are also a problem, which is that I would say that Quarantillo is generally the more durable of the two men. True. He seems like he gets hurt a lot less. I mean, he I've seen Quarantillo rocked a bunch, but be, I, I think the big difference is, is that getting rocked for Quarantillo it doesn't panic him. It's also part of his process. Yeah. So if he's getting hurt, he fights the same. So you often, you know, you don't think of, Oh, Billy Quarantillo's hurt. And now he's fighting like X or Y. No, that is like the great strength Quarantillo has is that he fully expects anything to happen Mm -hmm. in the fight and always is able to frame that in his head as part of how he's going to win. Yeah. Right. That's a very serious psychological edge. Nothing is is ever going against his plan because his plan is make everything happen. Because both men have been knocked out absolutely cold a couple of times. Yeah. With Jackson, however, it's much more clear because he wants to be a much more proficient, technical, controlling fighter who is dominant. He wants to be a more dominant fighter. Bumps in the road tend to feel much more like the start of a crumb, a, 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 a serious moment of crumbling for ja- yeah. for uh, Jackson. You know, I always feel like Jackson fights with a lot of rage. Absolutely. And, and when he and when he beat Pat Sabatini, I mean, the emotion that came out yeah. of him afterwards, he's clearly holding a lot in and just barely. Yeah. So when things start going a little bit wrong for Jackson, that kind of emotion, yeah, it it turns against you, you know. 
it's one of the thing, reasons that they don't tell, they tell fighters and they tell athletes in general to not play with a lot of emotion. Sure. You know, you want to be able to be calm and controlled in like Quarantillo is a calm and controlled fighter in every situation, even when they're awful. Yeah. hundred percent. And Jackson is a fighter who, when things start to go a little wrong, you start to think, Oh man, everything's about to fall apart for this guy. So, I on that note, I'm just gonna pick Quarantillo based off that. Like, I think these two men are gonna have an absolute war, a real scrap. I think Jackson can control a lot of it and get a lot of get Quarantillo to a lot of positions he can control. Yeah. But if Quarantillo can keep fighting those positions off and keep finding ways just to make Jackson scramble, to make things happen where he gets to land a few strikes, he gets to make Jackson have to work that a little bit harder. Like Jackson will still be there fighting tooth and nail every time. Yeah. But I can just see the, I can see the turning point for Quarantillo finishing Jackson more clearly. I can see Jackson more easily controlling Quarantillo the whole way and winning that way. But it's not a fight that. That Jackson likes to have, even even then, I can't see him controlling him the whole way. I can just see con- him controlling him for long stretches. Yes, yeah. yeah. Each round is still going to start with absolute chaos being enforced by Billy Quarantillo. Yeah, and so I just I, I can more easily see a moment where Quarantillo turns that chaos into finishing Jackson. Yeah. Then I can see Jackson turning a moment of chaos into finishing Billy Quarantillo. Yeah. It's it might happen. To- it's just tough that Jackson's the only guy I see having like a real technical advantage anywhere yes. in the fight. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there. I just think his positional grappling, his passing, his submission game is just much sharper, both than Quarantillo's and then most guys Quarantillo fights. He is yeah. uh, he's really dangerous and, on the ground. And it has to be noted, too, that like uh, Shane Burgos he did just go out there and systematically yeah. out wrestle Billy Quarantillo. Yeah. Or just Quarantillo can't. If somebody needs to have that fight with Quarantillo, he can't avoid it happening. Yeah. He can't strike without putting himself in that position over and over and over again. There's no distance management in Quarantillo's game. It is all collapsing distance and running the opponent back. I was actually thinking of Burgos against Charles Jordan. Quarantillo just oh. got outstruck by Burgos. Okay, I don't know. Oh, why actually, that was actually a very that was actually a very close fight, as I recall. Yeah, that was actually a very close fight because Burgos actually... couldn't Burgos couldn't not have exchanges. Yeah. Still, the 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 point stands that if somebody wants to wrestle with Quarantillo, they're going to yeah. wrestle. Gavin Tucker, that I was thinking, is it? Gavin Gavin Tucker. Those performances just sort of you know twisted in my mind. Gavin Tucker completely avoided. The Quarantillo Avalanche, which yeah. Gavin Tucker looks like a guy who is tailor made to suffer from that. Mm-hmm. You know, starts so hot, burns himself out, but the wrestling was just there from whenever he needed it, and he really needed it. And Quarantillo couldn't stop it from happening. Yeah, he lost the last half of that fight because of his inability to not walk into Tucker's takedowns. Yeah, so I'm still picking Quarantillo, but like, yeah. I'll take Damon Jackson just for fun. Yeah, I mean, but I think Quarantillo. Yeah, the momentum, the the consistency, the fact that nothing that's going wrong is ever like against plan for him. He's so comfortable yeah. with the chaos. Does seem like a good reason to pick him. Yeah, Jackson. Things can go very wrong for him, and then it's all for him. It's about can he rechannel his anger to get, like right to in his rage to force him through the bad spot. Yeah, he's a, he's a Lionheart. He's a therapy session fighter. Yeah. He's out there. He has to come to a moment of catharsis in his fights. Quarantillo's just doing a job. He just likes yep. it. <laughs> and he's pretty good at it. It's a this a fun ass fight though. Great play. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I'll just take I'll just take Jackson just for the fun of uh, us differing on a couple picks. Yep. Why not? Plus you would like one of us to pick Jackson. You really like Damon Jackson. I do. I do. I like him a lot. I love I I love seeing somebody who I, yeah, I love the fighter who doesn't have who who doesn't have it and has to find it. Yeah, you know. Well, I'm picking him for you so that I All can right. rub your fucking nose in it when you've sadness hedged the wrong way. 
Quarantillo opened at minus 171. He's currently at minus 181. Damon Jackson opened at plus 152. He's currently plus 162. Close odds. I just like the fight. I think it should stay close. Both men are yeah. scrappy to the core. And it should be a good one. Really good matchup. Yep. All right. That brings us to a flyweight bout. Jake Hadley, Cody Durden. And this is a this is a solid fight, too, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um this feels very much though like th- this feels like a very true true to a two true outcome fight for me. Yeah. Which is that we know Jake or we know Cody Durden is going to wrestle yes. and I am pretty much certain that Cody Durden's wrestling is going to win or is going to work. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it it's gonna, not not going to win, but it's going to work. Absolutely. He is going to get Jake Hadley down, and Hadley will be on his back. The only question is, Durden has fallen into several submissions in his career Uh because he's so single-minded. And he is a fighter who I think, when he's wrestling, he doesn't really think about it. He's not really thinking about anything other than doing more wrestling. So fighters who can throw a submission at him and get get that submission in good position, they they succeed because he's not ready for it. And Hadley is a good submission grappler. He he has some craft. He has you know, he's had a number of rear naked chokes in his career. He got a triangle against Carlos Candelario. Um, that that part of his game is it is a he, to his detriment against Alan Nascimento. Being a guard grappler is a comfortable part of Jake Hadley's game. Yeah, but Alan Nascimento is a much better grappler grappler than Cody Jordan. So. You really get a does Cody Durden successfully out wrestle Jake Hadley or does he get submitted while successfully out wrestling Jake Hadley? Those yeah. are your, your two true outcomes. I'm gonna pick Durden, um, because I just don't like to bank on a guard grappler, especially yeah. not at flyweight. But it's not a bad matchup for that. He's like, already gotten one triangle choke in the UFC, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wish that wasn't the case because um um I I, I kind of like Jake Hadley's striking. Yeah, he he's developing a solid uh a solid boxing game with a reasonable eye for defense and like picking yeah. people off when they come at him. Yeah, he's a pretty good counter puncher. He's like a pretty creative combination puncher. Mm-hmm. Um he can do some nice like s- very southpaw tricks. And um, I also think it would be funny to see Cody Durden, who actually has a pretty good jab and a pretty good one too, just completely forget how to strike because Jake Hadley's a southpaw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I would fully expect to happen. But Durden is just a very strong wrestler. Yeah. And uh, I have not seen anything from Hadley to suggest that he's not just going to get run off of his feet multiple times in this fight. Yeah. And I also do not like picking guard grapplers unless it like we picked um diego lopez yeah to win by guards but you have to be like distinctly dangerous like a true guard submission specialist type for me to think that that's a realistic way of winning yeah i try to pick uh i try to pick realistic paths to victory and it just doesn't look i mean it is but it isn't i mean like i said i think durden is uniquely Set up. Yeah, if he had run just into got that. instantly triangled by Jimmy Flick, I wouldn't even consider it. But I've seen it happen multiple times in his career. Yeah, Durden, like I say, when he's wrestling, I think he is single-minded about yeah. his wrestling. So if, th- if things start going against him, he's the kind of wrestler who doesn't see the setup until 
it's a step late, you know? He's he's dived back into the triangle choke and the look the 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 knee is over his shoulder and he's thinking, oh wait, I was supposed oh shit, you know? Yeah. That kind of grappling, that kind of wrestling. So it'll it the option is there. I just I'm not I'm not willing to bank on it here. Durden is energetic enough and constantly energetic enough. Yeah. That I just don't I don't have the same sense of inevitability that I do for Gavin Tucker at like 37 thinking yeah he's going to take Diego Lopez down and try to ride him. Yeah, how do we feel about Jake Hadley's nickname by the way? What uh White Kong? White Kong? Kong's not black, he's an ape. Yeah. That's weird, right? It is <laughs> weird. It's like a particularly like European soccer hooligan style of racism. They love the monkey thing over there. Yeah. They really not... love to yell that at African soccer players. <laughs> I I'm 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 gonna assume it's not anything racist, but it is just one of those things. Well, it's like... accidentally racist either way. Yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> like it's you true. just call the de- defining Kong. aspect of King Kong is not that he's black. Exactly. It's the, the ape. He's a gorilla. If anything, the defining aspect is that he's a very big ape. Yeah, he's a very, it should be Little Kong. It should be Jake Hadley. Little Kong will be good. Just would King be. Kong or Prince Kong, you know? Or Honestly, it should be Diddy Kong. Diddy Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. just gonna call Jake Hadley Diddy Kong from here on out. White Kong makes me question. It, it does. It is just one of those things where you're just like, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, there's also the Vanilla Gorilla nickname in the UFC, but at least that rhymes. Yeah, you can see the sense of that one. Yeah, there was maybe something else going on to uh, to lead him to that. The White Kong is just like you looked at King Kong and you were like, that's a really big black guy. <laughs> that's not really what the movie was about yeah <laughs> i mean it kind of was to be fair maybe to, he's be, to be fair that is actually a subtext <laughs> yeah maybe he is actually maybe, yeah, maybe it's just a deep textual reading from jake hadley that's on king kong as yeah. re- representing white fear of that uh, you actually, know yeah, of, of actually black. jake hadley is a one of the leading film critics of our time yeah <laughs> Okay, fair point you, Jake. We like the nickname again. We're back around to... No, I still don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> oh, no, no. Anyway, speaking of nicknames, next up we have a total typical MMA swing and a miss. You are odds here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hadley opened at minus 171. He's currently at minus 181. Cody Durden opened at plus 152. He's currently at plus 162. All right. Yeah, now nicknames. Sean Woodson, the sniper, the, the most generic of MMA nicknames. Eh, fine, whatever. Against Dennis Bazooka, the great. So Dennis two. the Great. Dennis the Great is Dennis the Great. That is the wrong the adjective nickname for the name it, Dennis. It really is. Every there other is. MMA has been the menace. They all got the memo. It's lazy, Dennis, but at least it works. Dennis Bazooka, he he walked in and is like, I, you know what? I'm going to pull from the Alexander bin. And the everyone's name is, no, 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 no. Those <laughs> only. Your name is Bazooka. You should be like yeah. Bazooka Joe or something. It really should be. Right? Yeah. Dennis the Great Bazooka, huge missed opportunity. Once again, demonstrating it. MMA fighters have no sense of humor about themselves. Yeah. The the missile could be here, the, you the, know? Something. Just like, uh, even even go off a little bit. Get, get a little bit off kilter. Go, like, with C4, you know? Yeah, something, something sort of explosive or military-themed. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Come on. Yeah, but the great and the sniper, <laughs> Dennis the Great is really 
It's such a terrible nickname. It really is. If if you're going to go completely unrelated to the obvious pun on your last name, then don't pick something so that just sucks. Dennis the Great. There has never been a figure in history named Dennis who ever deserved the title The Great. It really is true. It's impossible to have a great Dennis. Absolutely impossible. There's a reason that Dennis in in Philadelphia is named Dennis. It's because they know exactly what that name implies. Yeah, that guy's real name is Glenn, and they were like, not shitty enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else got their real name, and they're like, no, Glenn is too cool for this character. Yeah. Let's go with something really stupid and, and, and lame. Yeah. Anyway, um, it, you it, know. It's very much on the Macy Barber school of nickname misses. Uh, yeah. Or, or Miranda Maverick. At least the future Barber is potential, is accidentally funny. Yeah, it should be the surgeon, though. Yeah, that would be good. Right? That would be good. Macy the Surgeon Barber. Yeah. It, yeah. Something it, about pulling teeth or something like that. Or, yeah. Yeah. No, too clever. Too clever. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Bazooka's a guy. Mm hmm. He's, um, to be fair, he didn't get a particular opportunity to shine in his uh, one contender series booking because his opponent was. An extremely annoying wrestler. Yeah, two actually contender series bookings. He oh, lost he? The first to Melsic Bogdasarian. Okay, there you go. Um, so you know, like there, there are some things to like. He's, um, he's a powerful kicker. You know, I like the fact that he really diligently does throw his body kick out there. He likes to punch his way into the into the pocket. Yeah, he likes to punch his way into the pocket. Leads with his jab, falls with his hooks. He's just kind of a guy, though. I mean, I, I have yet to really see anything particularly remarkable. And um, I just have to assume that he his game is so basic that he is probably going to struggle with Sean Woodson. Yeah. Um, Sean Woodson has his problems, you know. He does. But Sean Woodson fundamentally has a really weird frame and a game that does something to take advantage of it. Yeah. I think you got to be a pretty relentless high output pressure fighter to really keep Sean Woodson uncomfortable. Or you have to come in with a game plan that's like really specifically suited, like kicking out his legs um, or just grabbing the 30 feet of legs that are right in front of your face and, and wrestling him to death. Um, if you're just going to kind of slowly pressure without creating a lot of threats and you're going to leap across large distances, which are going to be even larger than usual against a giant with like obvious hooks. And I just don't do it on a day's notice should be noted too. Oh, it's a day's notice too. Yeah. His, this is the 100%. third fight that Woodson has been booked for on this card. He was supposed to face Steve Garcia. Garcia dropped out uh, that been fun. a week ago or a few days ago and they we got Mar- Marion Sa- or Myron Santos to fill in, and Santos then realized that he couldn't actually get a visa to fight in the U.S. Right, and so then they got uh, Bazooka uh, today or yesterday. It's like they also, according to Tapology, also tried Jesse Butler. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out of order, but that may have been another yep, attempted no, Butler contract. Was, Butler was after. Gar- Garcia dropped out a while ago. They got Butler in, and they realized that he'd been knocked out a month ago, and nobody had oh, got the check. Now, huh? Yeah, and so okay. now they, so they had to take Butler, pull Butler from the fight because he'd just been brutally knocked out. And uh, then they brought in Santos. He couldn't make it. So Bazooka was literally yesterday. His Obviously but- Butler's fault. Yet yeah. another of these traitorous Jared Gordons accepting my invitation to fight without explicitly telling me they've just been knocked out. In a fight that I watched. <laughs> that I booked and paid them for. And um, yeah, no, Sean Woodson all day. I mean, yeah. One thing one good thing about Sean Woodson and also a bad thing, style doesn't change. Yeah. He's he's gonna go in there and find it on the night. He's gonna do Sean Woodson things to everybody. I don't think it makes much difference. Other than that, he's fighting a less dangerous opponent than if it were like Steve Garcia. Yep. 
So I, I think he'll be perfectly fine with a short notice replacement. There's a lot more reason to think that Bazookia could really benefit from some specific preparation that he's obviously not going to have. And otherwise, he's just a guy. So, huh. Woodson. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree. I think uh, Bazooka, he, he keeps his pace too low to really be a big knockout threat. He likes to wrestle too much, too. He he will punch his way in and then try to take people down when it's just like you could just be punching in there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the big thing with Woodson is you really kind of got to start fast and stay on. Like, you get in his face early because he's the kind of fighter who is trying to make... Woodson's the kind of fighter... He's, 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 he's kind of got that... What I think of as Muay Thai thing. I realize there's a lot of style in Muay Thai. But a very common problem you see out of Muay Thai-styled fighters in MMA, mm-hmm. where they're trying to make really tight defensive reads from moment one. Mm. Like, Hakeem Dewadu does this a lot. And has been caught early in fights a lot for it, mm-hmm. where they're they're going in and they're just trying to like, oh, I'm just going to be able to like do a quick little you know head lean back, head fake, and you know stand my ground and counter hard in the pocket, and uh, not pay for it, yeah. and they don't have the timing right. And they're not necessarily prepared for the variety of MMA. So you see a lot of these kinds of fighters, like what happened to Woodson in his last fight, yeah, just got absolutely blasted early, trying to make a real tight read on Luis Saldana. But Woodson, he makes those re- he keeps doing it and making those reads better and better as the fights go on. Yeah, what Woodson desperately needs is like uh, the actual range management. Like, yeah, uh, giving giving somebody enough difficulty getting there that by the time they they do all this work to get close, he's been able to suss out what like because he is actually a pretty slick defensive fighter. He's got a yeah. full complement of like inside boxing moves. Yeah, um, but he's you don't just, just like. You don't you don't be nine feet tall and just let somebody walk in on you so that you can use your moves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Make exactly. them work for it and then it's easier to make it work. So Bazooka would really ha- Bazooka Bazooka would really have to uh he'd have to start hot and stay hot. And I don't just don't think that he's got that no that style to him and that control to get no, in the especially pocket. Especially not on such short notice. That would have yeah. to have been game planned into him, and I don't know if he could do that anyway. Yep. So, yeah, I got to pick Woodson as well. Odds on the fight have only just opened. Woodson is a is a favorite, minus 200. Uh, Bazooka at plus 150. And that brings us to a... Flyweight bout, Ode Osborne, Asu Alambayev, and um, I'm just going to pick Alambayev here. Yeah? Yeah. Almabayev, I think. Almabayev. Oh, yeah. Almabayev here. I'm I'm just going to pick Almabayev here. Mm-hmm. He is really fast. Every bit as fast as Oz, maybe not as fast as Ode Osborne, but really close. Yeah, and also Osborne is only as fast as Osborne, really for one round. Yeah, I mean, he's really, really fast early. Osborne really, I think the big thing for Osborne is he depends on that speed so much that yeah, even if he can maintain his speed, people do end up timing it eventually. Like true, it's if if all you're doing is being really fast with a fairly basic game people are gonna end up timing the speed yeah but his i mean his output fell off a cliff yeah. later in that fight with charles johnson it's even true. though it's a shame to pick against him because i thought that was like a a turning point great performance from ode osborne despite that yeah but uh almabayev has a lot of speed himself and is just a really clean wrestler yeah. Really clean. Um, a little single-minded with it to the point that, you know, 
Zach Makovsky could take him off his feet as well. Mm-hmm. But Makovsky didn't beat him. You know? Yeah. And Almabayev is just... He's, you know, he's got a smooth... He's got a smooth speed and power to his game that I think uh, Osborne, you know, it is just not made to deal with that kind of physicality. No. Honestly. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like it's a shame. Because mm-hmm. um, I really like seeing Odie Osborne sort of like look good, I think, for the first yeah. time in his UFC career, which is not to say that he hasn't had impressive moments in all these other fights, but it was such a considered different approach from him um, that I thought made a lot of sense. And uh, just to think that, yeah, he might come up with something brilliant here and just plant his feet to counter and just get run off of his feet is, uh, yeah. is a bit of a shame. Um. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't even really have a lot to add. It's just it just seems like too much of a wrestling advantage. Ode Osborne can be surprisingly crafty and clever on the feet. He has never had much of a defensive wrestling game or a ground game. It's Yeah. Yeah. It's really it. Almabayev yep. seems you know, he he has the he has the necessary top end flyweight athleticism. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see what the rest of his game that he builds around that is, because it won't be able to get all the way to a title just off his wrestling. And his striking isn't terrible, but it's not deep yet. Mm-hmm. Almabayev opened at minus 135. He's down at minus 185 now. And uh, Osborne opened at plus 122. He's currently up at plus 165. Solid card, gotta say. Yeah, honestly. Lots a lot of good stuff. About. A lot of interesting fights. It's always fun to see the UFC actually try and have a gate that they have to plan for and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, we're going to jump over now. If you're a Substack subscriber, uh, we will be jumping back and covering UFC 291 just a little bit more here in just a second. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.